What's up, Jock? This is Bugs Bunny, and you're tuning into This Means Podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, I'm very excited to bring to you a fellow Looney Tunes aficionado, as well as a Batman fan, Elias Ramos. He's a teacher, as well as a firefighter in New Jersey, and he comes very excited to talk the wonderful world of Looney Tunes when they interacted with the DC Comics slash Batman. Hi, Eli. How are you? I am good. How are you this morning? This early, oily morning. <laughs> oh, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. I'm excited to talk some tunes and Batman. Same here, my brother. Same here. I love these characters and having Batman come into the fold is something I've been wanting to do with the podcast for a little bit. And riding on the coattails of our last episode where we discussed Super Rabbit, this will be a discussion of the DC interactions with the Looney Tunes. And this comes right after we got the announcement that there will be a DC Fandom event, which is super exciting and the first ever event where it's going to be panels that are video recorded and edited together to sell us on the upcoming DC slate of movies. And I'm pretty excited about this because we're going to get interviews with Matt Reeves about the Batman. We're going to get some information on Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn. And we're going to get some Wonder Woman 84 news. And I couldn't be more excited to witness all of this on my TV at home. And I don't have to wait in a long line for this. So whatever the fandom ends up being, I'm excited for it. And I can't wait to see what they have to offer. So I felt that it was no better time than right now to talk about everything going on in the past with Looney Tunes and Batman. Well, I'll tell you a little quick, a little quick, um, origin story of myself to give the listeners an idea of who uh you can't see me but who's this bald old guy in front of you um <laughs> <laughs> you're not that old but but yes uh can you go ahead and uh give us some backstory on your love for these characters so uh, i grew up in jersey city um, where i'm currently now I grew up with um little brothers three now they're not so little no more um, but, uh, we used to watch, uh, Looney Tunes all the time. I remember when he used to play on like channel seven and then channel five and then well, even channel 11, I think, um, it's been so long. Um, but he, but in 92, obviously when I, obviously when I was drawing, I always drew cartoon characters. Like I even draw Bugs Buddy with my eyes closed. Not a, wow. not a perfect one, but it looks like him. Like imagine a person that could draw Bugs Bunny kind of good. That's what I could draw. And my my students always like, you know, I, I should start like charging bets. But anyway, I wouldn't do it. Not, <laughs> not to kids. That's wrong. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I used to always draw Looney Tunes and Mickey Mouse and all that. I'm a big, huge, huge animation fan. Um, by the time I hit my late early teens, I would say, but 12, that was when Batman the Animated Series came out. I'll give you my age. Um, 
I was 12 years old with 92 Batman came out. I was well, also I was loving Tiny Toons and all that as well. But um, since we'll start with a little bit of my Batman origins, I uh, got into the character. That show really got me into expanding my art because of the colors and the, the story even. Like I love cartoons and I love comedy. Um, and I love the innocence and not so innocent, especially uh, with our Looney Tune friends. But there was something about the comic book storytelling of Batman the animated series that got me like hyped up even as a kid. And even right now, I'm getting hyped up talking about it. There was some yeah, me too. stories and the Mr. Freeze story and the uh, oh, it's so good. Oh my gosh, you know, like they, he made they made like Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, Eric Radomski, um, so many others. They made the stories so great and i even lie to you like i'm gonna probably get hate mail so i'll get trolled for this um but i i wasn't a fan of super friends growing up i i didn't like it i was like all right well they're they're looney tunes had more violence maybe i was a violent <laughs> kid and i need help um but uh it was like looney tunes and and mickey mouse and all of them had more hitting and and more like you know like super friends had none of that and i'm like wait so batman can tie up joker with the rope with a banana around it I don't know what that means, but I just couldn't watch it. And I was a little kid. And then I was like, it almost turned me off the comics completely. I didn't want to read them. I wasn't interested. Um, by 92, I was still loving my cartoons and I still do. You know, I have a Bugs Bunny shirt on now. But um, when I when I started getting, like, by 12 years old, I started watching the animated series and it just opened my, my mind my heart my spirit everything and i was just like i gotta start reading batman comics i gotta i started like consuming you know and look at my room it looks like a comic book store it threw up and exploded at the same time but i'm so grateful for this stuff and uh sorry i talk a lot so oh me too no no uh batman the animated series is a gateway drug into batman for sure and as well as the dc universe and i would agree with you about super friends it was very campy it was very in the same vein as like scooby-doo back then and I think that's what they were trying to go for. It was trying to get a uh, general audience uh, interested in these characters that they had. And it was at the peak of the Adam West show. And so they wanted to capitalize on Batman fandom and bringing that back in, in animation. So it was vibrant. It was loony in a way and wacky. And it didn't have the staying power. Uh, or the gravitas that Batman the Animated Series brought. But we got there because of Paul Dini and Bruce Timm and all of these guys and women working on the Tiny Toons and the relaunch of Looney Tunes back in the 90s, uh, thanks to Steven Spielberg and a lot of other great creatives over there. But we'll get there. We'll get there. First, we have some Looney Tunes news that I wanted to transition into. We were given a sneak peek at what we can see sported on all of the Toon Squad in Space Jam 2 this week with a reveal by LeBron James. And I really like this design. It's very retro. It's got the emblem, the the Looney Tunes insignia, and it's not a small circle on the front of the jersey. It's like this giant circle that goes around the side of it. And I really like it. it. It's a very throwback. What did you think about it? I, I like the the contrast with the blue and the orange. It's yeah, the the blue of the font. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I love the original. It was simple, and I guess they wanted to look more sporty. And it they definitely even I have like a, uh, a jersey of that, even though I don't really play sports anymore. 
Like, I, I, I like it. I really do. I mean, I'm more interested in the, hopefully, that the, sh- the movie's good. Like, I'm crossing my fingers. I don't judge. I'm like, I'm hoping the movie's good. But so far, I mean, the little bit that they can show us, um, I'm, I'm, I like it. I, I really like the, the contrast. And like, I wonder if it, like, probably goes around the back. It'd be cool. If, like, I, now this is just, if they create a shirt like this for us, for us fans, they should have Bugs Bunny popping out the circle in the middle, or Porky Pig or somebody. Like, I would still buy that. In a heartbeat. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But as it is, I think it's pretty cool. I can definitely see the other characters wearing it. And I, I just can't wait for images of what their designs are going to look like yes. in this. And uh, yeah, I just, I want to see the entire squad together. That's what I want to see next. Me too. And obviously a trailer. Um, I don't know if we're going to get one soon. I know the movie is about nine months out wow. maybe a little bit longer it's summer of next year um so yeah maybe actually uh, a full year away wow um but we'll see we'll see i'm i'm assuming we're gonna get a trailer around november december time but i'm hoping i'm excited I'm hoping about it. Send, like fan art you know like on their dub, like the warner brothers who knows maybe i know it's a dc thing but you never know maybe they might at some point maybe around the fandom time show us some you know, fan art, not fan art, but uh, model sheets and stuff for Looney Tunes. I, w- I want to know if they're going with like the newer looking characters from like, not the newer slash older, I guess, from like new, the Looney Tunes show that's out now on HBO. Um, right. Are they going to do kind of like the more um, more cleaner, more like the old Tune Squad one, you know, like, like Chuck Jones and stuff, you know, like the Bugs Bunny we know from Wabbit season, Duck season, you know? I'm interested to see exactly. with, the, with the look. That's what I'm really hyped for. Like, yeah, I'm all cool. I mean, the show it's cool, but I want to see the characters. You know, that's that's what I'm like scratching my neck for. You know, I want to see more characters. You know? <laughs> exactly, and that's what we're all waiting on with bated breath to yes. see. But we're gonna have to deal with just getting a, a jersey for now, and uh, I think it's a pretty cool one. And the other news is that Birds of Prey colon Harley Quinn, <laughs> as it's titled now, is now on HBO Max. That's always a fun movie to watch, and. It also has some really fun Looney Tunes in it because Harley Quinn loves Tweety Bird. So we can binge watch as much Harley Quinn as we want as there's the animated series that dropped as well on HBO Max. And just all the Harley Quinn stuff is is really fun. The HBO Max series is really good. I I liked it more than I thought, you know. Clayface is hilarious. Clayface is one of my favorite Batman villains, you know. Even if they make him kind of goofy, it's still pretty cool. <laughs> same, same. Yeah, I, I was really surprised by that. And Alan Tudyk did a really good job yeah. with uh, with that performance. All right, uh, jumping into one of the classics that we're going to be talking about. Not only are we going to be t- discussing this short, we're going to be discussing one of the alterations that Wiley e. Coyote wears during this is from G Wiz, the 1956 directed by Chuck Jones short. This stars Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. <laughs> this is one of my favorites, and it's one of my favorites because it has the green Batman suit. And it's not Batman as in the character Batman, it's Bat hyphen man. And what they did with it is really fun because it's it's this flexible wingspan suit. And it's the only time that an Acme product actually works until Wile E. Coyote gets too confident and, and looks at the camera. And that's when he runs into the wall because he's not paying attention. 
then he falls. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any uh, fun memories of this oh one? Oh my gosh. Yes. Now I remember being a kid. So I knew who Batman was. I may not have been watching Super Friends, but I remember the like 1966 old chum, you know. Uh, exactly. Friends. Um, and I did, I did love it as a kid. So like when I saw the box, I remember for that one second being like, oh, he's going to get dressed up as Batman. And then I saw the green. I said, what? You know, I, mean? like, I was, I remember being so confused as a child watching. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why is he green? I probably told like my parents, why? And my dad's like, I don't care. Shut up. You know, but it's like, like, I, I remember being so confused, but then like, I think it was, he also made appearances in two video games, right? Super Nintendo and Sega. Yes, he did. Yeah, the, uh, and one of those was the hardest uh, level on that game. And I believe that was, Death I believe Death that Death. was Rabbit's Rampage in, on Super NES. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You did, oh, wow. You just like, wow. I <laughs> love those games. I, I, used, I used to buy them all. Like, I don't know how I probably stole a lot, but I, for my parents, <laughs> but I don't know how I have my, I, I still have them too. Roadrunner was one of my oh, favorites. Wow. Death Valley Rally was one of the tough ones. And I remember you, had, you played Roadrunner and you had to like go to different levels and Wiley had different, oh my gosh, now I, like after I come home from work, I got to play it now. Um, <laughs> so like you had to like dodge the green Batman, right? What? Yes. And then I think he was a boss. And then in the Sega version, De Desert Demolition from like 95, maybe. Um, but like you could play Wiley in that suit. Oh, wow. I, That's awesome. That game, you can actually play Roadrunner or Wiley. You're not going to lie. I'm more of a Roadrunner fan because I kind of see how life, like, you keep going. You don't kind of give a, you know what, while you're going down the road. And when trouble comes, you just kind of stop, watch it just blow up in your face and keep going. You know, as a kid, I don't know how I got that, but hey. Um, oh, that's a fun it, take on reality. Yeah, kind of. Me, me. You know, so Roadrunner was my favorite. But uh, yeah, so you, you could play as that. So yeah, I definitely have some fun memories of that green do you, okay i got a question do you think or maybe it's just me overthinking because i was looking it up so i gotta ask a, a, a another aficionado um like so dc comics wasn't bought by um warner brothers until late 60s i think 68 i believe so do you think it was like a copyright issue like we can call it batman but we can't make it look like batman because they didn't own the rights or was it still that whole parody law i don't know like like do you think that was was it a copyright thing or just like a let's just do it to do it type thing this is a great question and one that i've pondered because i had been looking up and researching if chuck jones was a batman fan mm -hmm. i know he was well read and i know that he's the one that inducted bugs bunny into wearing the super rabbit costume mm -hmm. and i feel like he was a big superman fan and it makes sense. Chuck, Chuck Jones reading comics is is not out of the blue. Like that's not too far from my imagination to go. I think it's exactly what you're saying. I think it is. They had these this well of comics that had come out in the late 30s, mm -hmm. and they loved them. And so the creative team was like, "How can we inject these superheroic ideas into these shorts that we're doing?" And I think this is one of the ways that they got away with mm. and they did it by changing the color and change, putting the hyphen in between the name. But I, I, I truly believe this is the first appearance of a Batman uh, idea in Looney Tunes. That, that makes all the sense. because Which is why we're talking about it. Superman was created in 1938. 
So that means Correct. he was pretty still, you know, comics were out, but it was still like baby stages. So copyright laws and all that were still kind of iffy with everything. And they were just a new company. So I'm sure there was some other super, Superman parodies as well as 30s, but Bugs Bunny. And, and remember Daffy Duck? Super Duck! Um, so they did another one in the 50s, but they called him Super Duck instead of Super Duck. Maybe that was another, I know, I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm going down the rabbit hole. Um <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a whole nother like copyright thing. Maybe co- I got to look up copyright laws now, but maybe around that time they had to change even s- instead of calling Daffy super duck and become stupid duck. We did stupid stuff in there. So it makes sense. But well, you can do parody parody is free of copyright. And also uh, Daffy duck loved pulp comics. And mm-hmm. you saw that with Doug Tracy. Oh, I love that one too. Oh, and, and Doug Tracy, like that is obviously you're you're stepping your toe into a world that is unknown to the rest of the Looney Tunes lore. And what I loved about that is that later on, Plucky Duck in Tiny Toons and other versions of Daffy really love Batman. And it's that, I feel like that origin comes from Duck Twasey. Definitely. I love Duck Twasey. So Gee Whiz is one of those Looney Tunes, is one of those shorts that, I know my grandfather always loved, I always loved just the way that the Roadrunner will always outsmart him or get away from the danger. But it, it's it's in that gag of the, the Batman suit that really makes it stand out for me. And it's, it's, it is green. It is a different shade of, of uh, like this forest green, mm-hmm. but it stands out and it's striking. And as you said, like I have those memories as well of playing the, uh, mm-hmm. The, the game where you, you play as Roadrunner and you try to out, outwit him mm. and get away from him. And it's it's ingrained in my brain mm. that he's always this versatile, like, you know, uh, trepidatious and always going after his lunch and his food. And, and like, that is somewhat scary uh, whenever you are playing as Roadrunner or, you know, you're on the side of Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, but Whenever this, whenever this mechanism works, and he he breaks the fourth wall to look at the camera to you know to smirk, it always makes it that much funnier. Whenever it fails, mm-hmm. because because he doesn't even realize that oh it's actually working. Like it's actually the thing that could get me what I've always wanted. True, and it's that confidence, that look that he I got this. Boom. <laughs> exactly. How many times we know we know what that feels like as you know human beings, but like why? I guess why is a metaphor too. You keep on trying for your goals, no matter how many times it blows up in your face, throws you off a cliff, explodes. Uh, you, you you have to keep pushing forward. So I guess now, hey, I, I wow, I just psychoanalyzed something. Another part of my <laughs> just like Wiley Coyote has to push forward, we have to push forward too. So let's go to uh, let's fast forward about thirty years wow. into the Batman. 1989 VHS. Hold it! Hold it right there! Let's see if you're really ready to watch this movie. Okay, popcorn? Check. Soft drink? Check. Warner Brothers ball cap? Aha! You can't watch a Warner Brothers movie without a Warner Brothers ball cap. There is this really great commercial, and I know it's like super... Uh, inductive of the studio and trying to sell you products, but I loved it as a kid. I love seeing it's Bugs and Daffy 
at the beginning of the Batman VHS. You can watch this commercial. Listen, Doc, what if they ordered a Warner Brothers ball cap so they had it next time? Well, uh... Uh, obviously it's online now too, but it is them hawking the WB catalog and saying that you can't watch this movie without a Warner Brothers ball cap. And ever since then, I've always worn ball caps. I don't know if it's related. I don't know if I was uh, <laughs> subliminally in- inducted into, I have to always wear the movie memorabilia while I'm watching the uh, the actual product, but it's working on me. And uh, I-, I really enjoyed the, uh, the camaraderie here and they're trying to sell this thing, but they're also against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also an artist. It's it's kind of like that. Um, it's a little bit duck amuck uh, because there, there's an artist that comes in and starts erasing Daffy, uh, but also puts his tie on or puts Bugs's tie on too tight. Yeah. Like the- you can order stuff like T-shirts, posters, movie books, ties. That's neckties. Yeah, there's a lot of comedy that comes from an unknown animator. But I really loved the idea of putting Bugs and Daffy in front of Batman for some reason. Like, it just made sense. And I felt like it was part of the movie in a way. Obviously, this movie came out whenever I was four, three or four. And whenever I was, you know, old enough to uh, own the VHS, I like... I think it was one of the first movies that actually got eaten by a VHS player. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I just uh, always associated. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, bugs is obviously going to be selling me whatever comes out of Warner brothers. And that kind of was the case for a little bit because there was the whole uh, bugs at the beginning of every kid's movie Mm -hmm. or a beginning of every animated movie. And so it kind of started that trend. Yeah, you're right. But uh, do, do you remember this commercial? And uh, did you ever call that number? Oh, God. Um, 900 <laughs> number? Well, who are you? Oh, young folk. 900 numbers were like, remember those paid? Like, you call a 900 number, you had to pay like two bucks or something. My parents would have, wow, would have hit me with a mallet. Um, <laughs> but no, I never, I never called that. I knew better. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a couple for that later on, but we won't go there. Um, But, and it, it also too, like VHS is something like, kids don't even know those were like the old vhs tapes but yeah my i, I remember that commercial i remember i i didn't remember it 100 percent until we talked about it earlier and i when i checked it out on youtube i was like oh it all flooded back to me like i remember that yeah and no I, and i'm not into ball caps i'm bald so i like when the sun hits my bald head <laughs> <laughs> sounds refreshing um so 1990 the next year was the start of tiny tunes mm. What I loved about this series is that they incorporated celebrities of the time just as the classic Looney Tunes incorporated celebrities of their time. You had uh, you had Clark Gable, you had Cecil B. DeMille, you had all these prolific actors and directors being represented in cartoon form. And here it's, you have Michael Keaton show up at this party and he's, you know, it's it's really fun because they play off of the comedic nature of actors in roles and the the whole Hollywood machine, and they play it up for laughs. And as a kid, it goes right over your head. You don't understand. 
there's a there's a moment where uh, Batman walks into a party and and Plucky Duck is like going bonkers because it's Batman. <laughs> And he goes, can I take your coat, sir? And then Batman unzips from his head all the way down, and it's Michael Keaton who walks out. And Plucky goes, Another Hollywood illusion shattered. And it's, it's just, it's so funny, but it's also so true. <laughs> if, if you think about it, like you have this really terrifying persona uh, on screen, and then you juxtapose that with what, you know, the actors actually look like. So Hollywood Plucky, uh, directed by Art Vitello, or Vitellio, not sure. I think that's Italian. I think so. This is from 1990 and shows that Plucky Duck and Hampton want to, Hampton is the, so Tiny Toons did a really fun thing where it's not the younger persona of Daffy and Porky. It's, it's like their counterpart in a new modern era students. and sorry They're students like the looney tunes actually taught yeah. these guys and as a teacher now i really appreciate that even more than i did as like a 10 year old <laughs> i always loved it when we got to see the teachers because yeah. i was like oh there's my favorite characters yeah. and they're teaching these younger characters who are also acting as their counterparts and it's really a fun dichotomy there but yeah absolutely and so hollywood plucky is the first one of these where you get a sense of oh plucky wants to is, is an aspiring actor and wants to you know get into the spotlight but he also idolizes these pulpy characters like batman and then batman shows up and then there's a really great moment where hampton is the valet and is tasked with parking the batmobile and the batmobile is this wonderful machine that has all of these buttons and you can really see the inspiration for the animated series come in here paul dini also worked on this one yeah. and i think paul dini is attached to every batman short that looney Tune, or tiny tunes did which is really fun because you know that there's a lot of passion there yeah. and so sorry hampton gets in the batmobile starts pressing all these buttons and the batmobile launches into space and hits the moon and the insignia the bat insignia is there and then the tm the trademark logo just slides in right next to it and then hampton just swoops in and he actually goes out of frame and the the film reel like cuts and it's, it's really creative and i really enjoyed the ingenuity there for the joke thank goodness i wore my seatbelt. i i just feel like there's a lot of missed tiny tunes isms that i wish would be incorporated into future or even like slightly past Looney Tunes projects. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, the love of Hollywood and the idea of breaking down or, or spoofing some of the known ways of, of Hollywood and, and ways to, you know, laugh at it while at the same time admiring it and respecting it. I agree 100%. Tiny Tunes was, a, I, I literally, when, when you told me it was on Hulu, um, I have them on TV. I have all this stuff, but you know, something cool about having them in hand, you know, it's fun. I remember staying up. <laughs> I was supposed to wake up early for the firehouse, and I'm staying up watching Tiny Toons on my phone. And, uh, I had seen it maybe a couple years ago on DVD. It's and then I'm watching it again, and it brings back so many like great memories. But at the same time, as an adult, it's like watching it for the first time all over again. Very nice, yeah. And I also should. Uh point out that sherry stoner wrote hollywood plucky 
and storyboards were by Bruce Tim and Douglas McCarthy. Nice. And all of all of these players are reasons why we have Batman the Animated Series and we have such rich content in the 90s for Looney Tunes love, for Batman love, and just those things coming together are just like my bread and butter. Like, (laughs) there's no other way to say it. Like, I I love those two things. So next we had Batman Returns, which is in 1992, directed by Tim Burton. And that film introduced Catwoman. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman shows up in Tiny Toons, Mm -hmm. as well as Mm -hmm. Michael Keaton again. But there's this really funny play on, it's it's very similar to Doug Twasey, but you have Plucky being the one that is the one going through the the whole I'm gonna see all the villains and you know interact with them and I love this as a kid. Um you have parodies of the actors playing the villains in the Batman movies with Jackster mm-hmm. instead of Joker and Polecat Woman instead of Catwoman. Oh, it, there's just and oh the puffin the puffin is my favorite uh because it's a parody of the penguin and you know they uh yeah they they just put all this love into it <laughs> Jackster the puffin <laughs> question mark polecat woman what's your scheme you warped twisted sediment in the chocolate milk of life and so you have that's all folks which is, it was one of the ways that we got to see inside Plucky Duck's head during this um, three-part miniseries within an episode. And it, it's just, it's, it's so, so fun and so enriching. You get to see a character portray another character that you really love. Mm-hmm. So Bat Duck is who appears in Inside Plucky Duck. And there's this whole Spruce Vane kind of like play on Bruce Wayne. Criminals are a superstitious coward, not? I must disguise myself as something fearful to strike terror into their hearts. Something gruesome, something hideous, something I could mass market on a t-shirt and make a whole lot of money. That he takes on and then you have his his, uh, ward, the, the human decoy. Now all I needed was a sidekick. Someone I can train. Someone I can nurture. Someone who can wear a bright red uniform and draw all the fire. Uh, uh, attention. So what do you say, decoy, the cake hostage? I take it there's little point to discussing retirement benefits. Played by Hampton, who just wears bright colors and attracts all the villains' fire. And so you have just this uh, really fun dichotomy of what was going on in movies, what was going on in comics, and then all of that fusing together into a parody of it. And it's just, it's so fun to revisit. And, and I, I wish, I wish there was more, yeah. you know, like I felt like we only got like a really small sample set of these, but uh, they're really fun. And I highly recommend tracking them down. Obviously mm-hmm. uh, as Eli just said, they're on Hulu. So if you, if you have Hulu, go track out, uh, check out tiny tunes. If you've never seen it before, start from the beginning or just dive into uh, the Bat Duck trilogy, which I, I think includes uh, Inside Plucky Duck and Hollywood Plucky, and, and just, just check it out and see what you think. And New Class Day. That was a good one. New Class Day, yes. Sorry. New Class Day. That's next on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but yes, uh, New Class Day, Inside Plucky Duck, and uh, Hollywood Plucky. These are shorts that complement each other. They, they have a, not necessarily a through line throughout all of them, but they, um, they definitely are fun to rewatch and check out. Um, yeah, did, did you have a favorite moment or, or segment in any of these three? Oh, wow. Um, I remember I used to record them all on VHS. Um, oh, nice! I used to record these episodes, especially um, the the uh, the one we just talked about, and the one that we're probably going to talk about, the Justice League, Just Us League of Super Teams. Yes. Um, but yeah, my favorites were the bad guys, and I love how Plucky was. He then they say it in the cartoon, he became rich because of all the merchandising rights. You know, he's like t shirts twenty nine ninety five. You know. And like that was hilarious because we know you know companies are. And then um, the villain scheme is out. to sell their own shirts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. So we could sell our shirts for twenty nine nine. And this Jack Nicholson because he's a Jack uh, Jack A. Right. He's, uh, that's awesome too. <laughs> I, I love and I love how in um the uh the 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 cartoon a they had like a whole fantastic voyage homage you know from the old movie you know going inside a person's body you know that was cool my parents used to love those movies growing up when i was growing up i always watched it with them so i thought that was cool and then also i love how if you remember when daffy i mean pluck daffy when plucky bat duck i should say goes and save the pig hostage it's almost when all the bad guys circle him was kind of like a homage to duck twice again yes and I thought that was awesome because I love that cartoon growing up. I still love it now. Same. You know, I, I love how it was kind of like something old and something new and it just came together. It was really, really cool. That one. So I know we're touching on Justice League, so I'm keeping my 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 my, my opinion for that one until you're ready to talk about that. <laughs> yes, excellent. And I love those moments as well. So Bad Duck is the persona that Plucky Duck plays. It starts in Inside Plucky Duck. His second appearance comes from New Class Day. And then we have Just Us League of Supertoons. Do you want to talk about it? That's a phenomenal oh, yes. just way to incorporate these characters and their love of the comics. By the time this one came out, I was already kind of getting into comic books. Like my, I was borrowing from my friends, Spider-Man, X-Men, Batman, um, the anime nice. series I'll be already playing at this point. So I already started having that, that hunger for it, you know, that, blah, 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 taz, you know, like I was already consuming it. Um, so like with this episode, the best part was, and this is kind of like, you know what, maybe I should, I don't think it's copyright. Maybe I should train my, uh, change my name to when I teach called superhero. It's one one Right. So Buster, Babs, Plucky, and Hampton, they're going to new, new class day, and they took a class called Superheroics 101, and that opens the cartoon. And it's about, like, um, Plucky and Hampton as, you know, Bat Duck or Spruce and Pig Hospital mm-hmm. just hanging out. And then they get a call from Super Bun, played by Buster Bunny, also, obviously Super Bun, he's, a rat, he's Superman. Um, and then they call him in, like, hey, we want you to be part of the team. Why don't you come on down and... Uh, you know, like, and apply. And it's like, oh, yeah, sure. And, you know, Plucky's all excited. And guess who he's excited for? Selling more T-shirts. <laughs> and then Hampton's like, yeah, and then we can save people and save the world. And Plucky calls him a little killjoy, right? Because Plucky's all about the money, right? So right. get there. And then Wex Wutor is the, uh, the valet, but he has hair. He's pretending anyway. So it's uh, <laughs> Montana Max as, uh, as Lex Luthor. So then they walk in. And it's so cool because they literally have I'd like you to meet our little group. I'm sure you recognize Little Dasher. 
to Hawk Loon. Hello. What say we ruffle each other's feathers, hmm? <laughs> to my right are Wonderbabs. Aquamut. To my left is Pink Canary. Keen Arrow. And the Mystic Maid of Musk, Santana. Parodies are, are like uh, takes on the Tiny Toon slash, and I used to love drawing these things when I was a kid. Like I would put like characters together from one cartoon to another, mashups, tons of fan art, mashups. This was like the first when mashups were like becoming a thing. And you had mm -hmm. like Little Dasher, who was Little Beeper as the Flash. You had um, Hawk, Hawk Loon, who was Shirley the Loon as Hawk Girl. And uh, Daffy even says something a little kind of nasty to her, which I was like, wow, they let that go. Um, Wonder Babs, who was obviously Wonder You'd be surprised what they got away with. Actually. Yeah, right? Uh, even my mom was like, they said that? I'm like, yes, mom, they said that. Um, <laughs> she's like, oh, my God. Um, then you have Aquamut, who was, uh, I forgot the name of that doggy. He was like this, this little flappy little doggy. He always slept and went, woof. Um, Pink oh, Bear. you're right. Yeah, I forgot his name. It's, I think it's over the V. I don't remember. Now it's going to bother me until I figure it out. But anyway, I got to push the doggy to the side. Pink Canary, Black, uh, Black Canary, and it was, that was Sweetie Boyd. Keen Arrow, who was Calamity Coyote, you know, another Wally Coyote. Um, and then they had Santana, who was Zatanna. Now, I didn't know who that was when I was a kid because they changed her costume around that time. Now, she doesn't have the top hat and the suit. And also, uh, a, little, uh, a little tidbit, um, Paul Dini actually loved that character, and he actually married that character in real life. His wife is a ma uh, magician and a voiceover actress. And she dresses up like that. It's amazing. So Paul Dini, man, I wish I was him. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes. imagine living your dreams, you know? Um, so yeah, so then Bat Duck, they ask what's his powers. They find out he's just a little puny, egotistical green duck. He gets rejected because he's all I can do is uh, I have a bat gun and I could clog dance and pretty much Buster's like, get the heck out of here. We don't want you. So Plucky leaves. And then Rex Wooter crashes down, and he has a gun that takes, well, like Buster called it, a superpower gun suction thingy. It takes away their superpowers. And mm. then, so Lex, or Wex, Wex Wooter, Wex takes all their powers, or he's about to take their powers, and Plucky comes in to validate his parking. He figures, hey, he's a new guy. He must be the most powerful. He shoots Plucky takes his powers, and then next thing you know, poor Wex falls to the floor, and he goes, I feel so strange, you know? And then he goes, what, what's wrong with me? And then Plucky's like, all you did was take the powers of an egotistical green duck. And then Plucky still had more energy, because he's like, no one could take all of my ego at once. He kicks him in the backside, and they all love Plucky, and at the end, um, Plucky becomes their valet. He <laughs> 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 still kind of gets... Uh, a little screwed over at the end, but it was uh, that was this one was one of my favorite episodes. I recorded that so many times. That's awesome, but yes, uh, thank you for that rundown of Justice League of Super Tunes. I love this short. I would agree that it is a another way into comics for kids of like that era. I did not know that part about the Zatanna character, yeah. and that's fascinating and, and lovely uh, for Paul Dini. And I, I really enjoyed revisiting this one. And the, the inside jokes, like if you know the comics, it's so much richer than if you are just coming at it, at it from like a general perspective. So if you are a comics fan, if you've read the comics, definitely go back and watch this one for sure. 
And I think there's a lot to take, take away from that. Um, as you're saying, like Zatanna, you didn't know. And like now that has changed your perspective on uh, just this little segment within this it's seven minutes short. Well, now we're probably, if you think about it then, because obviously Paul Dini wrote that episode and Zatanna and Hampton and, and Fifi are boyfriend and girlfriend. And you could see Paul Dini and Piggy and you could see her. And the, I don't know, maybe I'm just putting things together. But uh, <laughs> I think the dog's name was Viren. Viren, okay. Viren or something. I, 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 the v, I don't, if anybody knows, please let me know. Viren sounds familiar. Yeah, right? Viren Bassett? Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a lot. That's why. You're, you're, you have redeemed your card. Sir. Thank you. <laughs> still got to pay the members fee, though. And the final appearance is from the Plucky Duck show, The Return of Bat Duck. Hey, watch it, you big lummox. Star coming through. Do you know who I am, huh? No. Who are you? I'm Batman, you idiot. The star. And you, my friend, are... Batman. 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 Batman, great. I'm excited. This is going to be big. It's going to be very large sized. This is, he's going to be your stunt duck. All of these are encompassing a new way of looking at comics, a new way of looking at cartoons, and what the times were like back then. And I remembered the, uh, during Bats All, folks, you, you actually have Plucky sporting other uh costumes that batman wore until he settles in and finds his own uh you know bat suit if you will and i just love the way that you get this trilogy of bat duck and these different aspects of it so return of bat duck is actually a plucky duck being uh on set of a batman movie and he gets to work with batman but he's his stunt double and so it's this like wonderful, like, oh, I can actually like be there. I can see the magic happening. Mm-hmm. But then all he does is take the brunt of all of the punches and all of the, you know, swinging into walls and all this stuff. And it's just really fun. Uh, it's, it's also like Duck Amuck, but with Batman, if you will. Because it's Plucky being put through the ringer and somebody else pulling the strings. In that case, it's the director. And I, it's just a really fun revisit if uh yeah if you want to just watch plucky duck get brutally uh <laughs> uh you know get his comeuppance get his comeuppance but you know i mean unlawfully so i guess idolizing batman is the uh what was it the stunt double right pretty much he thought yeah. he was gonna be the main guy but then they had a main guy probably michael keaton and then he it could- was michael keaton yeah I love I love this scene and I drew it. This scene I didn't realize they had that part too, where where Michelle Pfeiffer is there and then he just sees her and yes. starts kissing up her legs. I wonder if Catwoman's in this movie. Nice costume, kitten. Is that semi-gloss enamel? Get lost, duck. She likes me. I guess that would that would entail some comeuppance, but yes, overall, it's it's this really fun look at Hollywood, and I think that's one of the things that I miss from other interpretations of Looney Tunes is that we don't get that as much. Yeah. But because Steven Spielberg was involved, they were able to like just go crazy, yeah, and <laughs> parody everything, and it just so happened that 
you know, the love of Looney Tunes coming from Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg over from Who Framed Roger Rabbit into this paired perfectly with the release of Batman and Batman Returns. And we could not have gotten a better time for those things to merge. And because of that, we got Bat Duck. Yep. Rightfully so. So moving on, we have some other examples of the Looney Tunes mixing with DC characters and Daffy Duck as Bat Duck shows up in the comics version of Superman and Bugs Bunny number three. This is from a 2000s run. It's a very short-lived run. I think it was three issues. Yeah. And it actually incorporated, I mean, Warner Brothers owns both of these, so why not throw them all together whenever you can? And they incorporated the, oh. the characters in their own world, and it's really wacky. I've never read this, but I've seen pictures and, and read like different panels. And it's just so bizarre to see the two interacting together. Um, <laughs> comics can do that, though. They, they can take an idea and just expand on it and, you know, throw everything in the kitchen sink in. Uh, so that's really fun. And DC has so many different Earths anyway. This could be like a different... It was pretty much Go-Go and Mr. Spick, like whatever, from Superman, kind of like coming together and bringing the superheroes and the, animation, uh, the animated characters together in one world. So it could technically be like Earth, Oith, but exactly 49 exactly something something like that but did you know like the first appearance of bat duck was the mcdonald toys from 92 yes uh thank you for sending us back to the 90s <laughs> wow what a what a trip mcdonald's presents a happy meal with the looney tunes they're normal cartoon characters but while at mcdonald's they transform into super bugs wonder pig Taz flash and bat duck and all we did was change our clothes. And now your kids get one of four Looney Tunes toys. Each one comes with its very own snap-on costume with every $1.99 hamburger Happy Meal you buy. They're proud, brave, and willing to face danger. Huh? I don't recall that stipulation in the contract. <laughs> so we're back in 1992, and McDonald's had a really fun uh, pairing of the Looney Tunes characters. It was four of them. Mm-hmm. And DC characters. This included Daffy Duck as Bat Duck, as you had mentioned, Taz as The Flash, Penelope Pig as Wonder Woman, and Bugs as Superman. Did you have these as a kid? Because I totally had these as a kid. Somewhere up in the attic, I think. Here, I'm going to tell you a little, <laughs> little uh, secret. So, like, I, I lo- at that point, you know, I, I still like Batman more. And the animated series I was watching as a kid, between that and Darkwing Duck, the two shows I was watching. So, I was like, I, I tried to fit... <laughs> <laughs> the Batman suit on Bugs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I used to like. He used to like pop a little bit because they weren't made to fit Bug Bunny's head. It was made to fit Daffy's. So I used to like take my brother's Daffy Duck, give him the Superman suit, and then I would. We're two years apart, and I would put the Batman suit on Bugs because I like Bugs. And I like Batman, and the two shall meet. So yeah, I do <laughs> exactly. That. And I still have them. I I know they're up there somewhere probably dirty from all the times I played with them in the mud and the floor and getting trash and throwing them around and poking people with it. You know what I mean? I think I did that too. I wanted to like mishmatch and the, the way that the costumes were made, like it, it's just like this plastic molding. It doesn't fit on the, the figures of every character, but yeah, I, I really wanted bugs to be Daff or bugs to be Batman. Unfortunately, hey, he was given Superman because he started as super rabbit. 
Mm-hmm. Still, I think it was called Bugs of Batman. But anyway, <laughs> maybe I'll get my wish in the future. <laughs> Sticking to the 90s real quick, the following year had the release of the animated series, Batman the Animated Series. And within that, you had characters, the villains in Arkham, watching Looney Tunes. You had characters quoting Looney Tunes in their dialogue. It was just this really fun mash of what came before and where they are now. Oh, no, 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 don't want to. What a maroon. You're despicable. Ah, enough of this rubbish. Hey, we, we were, were watching that. <laughs> hey, what's up, Doc? Think Bat saw you, buddy, Dad? I thought I thought buddy, Dad. Obviously, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, these creatives that worked on Tiny Toons were then pulled over to Batman. And they started this creation of one of the best series of all times. And it is still amazing. It definitely holds up. And the, you know, the, the way that they incorporated, uh, obviously like the security guards are reading comics and reading tiny tunes comics at that when they're waiting for the prison guards to, you know, change shifts. And it's just, this really fun idea that it's sort of a connected universe, a tangible universe. (laughs) And it's, you know, um, it just layers it for me. Like the creative team is always present in the world. And another one of these DC interactions that we had with the Looney Tunes was another Chuck Jones short from 1996 This is late in his career, but this one is really special because it featured the voice talent of Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler in the Adam West 1966 Batman series, which is near and dear to my heart and Eli's as well, I know. And this is super cool because he did the voice of Daffy Duck and Daffy Duck has a superhero Superman persona here. And it's not only Frank doing the voice of Daffy, he's also doing the voice of Foghorn Leghorn, which he will later reprise in Pulitzer Prize, which we've already discussed on the show. But this is really cool because he's working with Chuck Jones, and Chuck Jones is going back to that superhero well, and this is in the 90s after Batman, so it's really fun to see this play out with Daffy Duck. And obviously he did Stuper Duck, but this is a modern version, a modern, more modern take on it with Superior Duck. And it actually involves Superman stepping in and telling Daffy to knock it off. Superior Duck rides again. Superior Duck, the duck of destiny, the hater of evil, lover of justice. Look, Mac, I'm working this side of the street, so bug off. Which is really fun and hilarious. Then you had, um, like in the 90s too, they had uh, Batman Forever and all that had little tidbits with Warner Brothers characters as well. Thank you for that. Yeah. So continuing the trend uh, of the the Looney Tunes showing up in Batman live action and vice versa, which we'll get to, you have the Joel Schumacher film Batman Forever and be introduced and Jim Carrey's wacky Riddler 
comes into Two-Face's lair, plugs in his helpers to the box, which is this brain-sucking uh, <laughs> device that he's using to control Gotham. And while you're watching it, while the victim is watching it and plugged into it, they are seeing like their innermost wants. And for Two-Face's helpers who are good and bad dichotomized between his, his two personalities, you have Drew Barrymore watching... Stupid Cupid, isn't it? Yes, it is. You have Drew Barrymore watching Stupid Cupid where Elmer is a little uh, Cupid running around making people fall in love with each other. And then dichotomized... or And then on the other side of that, you have Debbie Mazur as the evil side of Harvey's personality plugged into it. And she's watching Satan's Waiting, where it's the devil dog trying to tempt Sylvester into uh, losing his other lives. I simply love what you've done with this place. Heavy metal meets house and garden. Ha, ha, ha. Beautiful. It's so dark and gothic and disgustingly decadent. It's so bright and cheaper and conservative. It's so you and yet so you. And it's just this really fun way of visualizing the difference of personalities. Um, also, their names were Sugar and Spice to kind of like do the contrast. So the girl was good named Sugar and then one that was bad named Spice. Cheesy, I know. I didn't write this. Oh, thank you. It's it's so funny watching this movie again because you're like, shouldn't Drew Barrymore have a bigger role in this? But I feel like she just wanted to be on set <laughs> um, and uh, schmoozing it up with Jim Carrey in scenes. It's really fun. But yeah, so I loved that Looney Tunes were present here. And obviously that is a trend that will continue with Harley Quinn and with the next thing we're going to talk about, which is Looney Tunes back in action. Daffy! Shabby job, folks are This is the 2003 film directed by Joe Dante. And I really love this film. I remember when it came out, it came out around the same time as the new Bond film of that year, which I believe was Die Another Day. And I was yeah. just super excited about this over that. <laughs> and they have a scene where Daffy is running around the Warner Brother lot trying to get away from uh, Brendan Frazier's security guard who is tasked with throwing him out of the studio because he's been fired. And he, he runs up these stairs and Brendan Fraser opens the door and instead of Daffy, it's Batman. And he falls off and goes onto a inflated safety mat that had been installed for Batman and the director played by Roger Corman. Roger Corman, thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's just, it, it's so great. Um, he goes, cut, cut, cut. What are we doing? And uh, Batman just looks down and he, he you know, nods and shake, he puts his hands up. He's like, I don't know. That's not right. Hot. Hot. That's lunch, everybody. That airbag cost a lot of money. I'm okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, um, um, more. Hey, Batman, you good? 
All right. But it, it's just so funny. And they use the Batman Forever costume here uh, on Batman. Yeah. Batman Forever, yeah, that's what it was, or, or Batman and Robin. It was definitely wasn't the original '89 suit, yeah. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was definitely the Batman Forever suit. Wow. Which I think and is then, a in-universe reference to oh, the last time Looney Tunes were in Batman was Batman Forever, so let's use that one. Yeah, true, true. It, well, you know how we could tell? Check the nipples. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that prominent. <laughs> in the last Batman. Oh gosh. And then Daffy steals the Batmobile from 89, right? Yes, he does. I carry it away. Yes! Backlights, back conditioning, back stereo. And then Daffy right. uses the Batmobile to crash into the Water Bro- Warner Brothers Tower, spilling water everywhere and creating a diversion. And there's a really funny gag where Bugs has a fishing pole and he goes, Oh, I found Nemo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nemo. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> wow. Which is really crazy because Finding Nemo came out just a few months before this. Wow. Yeah, so that must have been the late edition, but it wow. works. And so you have this major Hollywood film that has the Looney Tunes in it, and obviously you want to throw all of your big IPs together, which I think yeah. is a, a sign of where we're going as as far as like a culture of like, if the Looney Tunes show up again, we're probably going to see Batman there. Probably. We talked about the comics and how they introduced Daffy as loving Bat-Duck and Batman and creating the iconic suit for Bat-Duck. But later, it's really the Green Lantern that is associated with Daffy. And we see this in Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham from 2014. But before that, we see in the Duck, the Duck Dodger series, in the first season, there's an episode where Daffy, as a Green Lantern, has to say the oath, and he doesn't remember it. But before any mission can begin, we must recharge our energies. Behold, the Green Lantern Power Battery. May I suggest that our newest member lead us in the Green Lantern's oath? Yes. Come again. The oath. Every member of the Corps knows the oath. Yeah, um, uh, in blackest day or brightest night, uh, watermelon, cantaloupe, yada yada, a superstitious and cowardly lot, with liberty and justice for all. It, it, it adds for comedy, but it's also a really interesting choice of taking Batman away from Daffy and giving him this Green Lantern idealization and i don't know where that started but it's fascinating how that changed (laughs) i guess it kind of makes sense since stuff dodgers in space and the green lantern corpse usually is in space and just on a personal note definitely could have green lantern i want bugs to have batman just saying (laughs) uh well currently wiley coyote has batman and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he keeps coming back to this Batman well. So there was a Roadrunner short. Called uh, uh, an, Another Bat Idea. Another Bat Idea. Thank you. What a Yeah. The 
the Wile E. Coyote character going and donning another Batman suit. And this one actually looks a lot closer to what we know as Batman. And mm-hmm. he tries to do the same thing, fly with the cape and try to, you know, use gadgets to get the Roadrunner. And he doesn't become over cocky. He just, he doesn't know how to use all the gadgets correctly. And they become overwhelming. He seemed really focused in this one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It seems like whenever he got go and he shot the bat grapple, like all like Batman all stern and it was kind of cool. And also he bought his stuff online, so we know where that went now. <laughs> We're in the 2011, like Amazon. I'm like Wally Coyote at this point, except for weapons, I buy toys, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the awesome part was when he shot the bat um the bat grapple up. Then he falls, and obviously, when you fall as Batman, you leave a bat signal esque hole. Oh, that's right. Right, fell in the hole, and then a rock falls on him, mm-hmm. and he goes kapow in the classic letters of Batman sixty six, old chum. <laughs> and at the end, when the when the rock opens, you see an Adam West uh, like sculpture of his head, and you hear the bat music. That was pretty awesome. I like that. That is that pretty awesome. Cool. <laughs> I I love that too. I love that they brought that back. Like that was a really fun idea. And I think that they executed it very well. And it's very funny. And these shorts, these 3D shorts that they recreated and and did uh, in the early 2000s, they played in front of movies like Cats and Dogs and these, uh, you know, family friendly, but more aimed at children movies. And Mm -hmm. I never saw them until uh, they were put on YouTube. Um, so, so I, I really missed out on seeing Looney Tunes in theaters, and that kind of hurts my heart. <laughs> uh, I used to go to animation festivals. Um, I'm part of the Animation Guild of New York, and they would give you passes to go see animation films for free. And they used to have a whole collection of hours and hours worth of content from students to professionals to companies. And I remember seeing like the, the, the Sylvester one, and I think I saw mm. one Looney the one that was in 3D, the one with uh, Wiley and, and Roadrunner. So I had a chance. It was really cool. Like, I was wishing they did, like, whole episodes like that, you know? Yeah. They were really, really beautiful stuff. Oh, that's cool. I miss those days, going to the movies. <laughs> yeah, me too. So let me see. So we had uh, two more showings really quick of Batman, I believe, in the Looney Tunes um, show where Daffy was, like, going to a class reunion and he felt like a flop and he didn't do nothing with his life and he asked Bugs for help. So they end, and Bugs kind of is trying to get him to do stuff. But then Daffy's like, the easy way to do is just lie. So he goes and he lies to the people and he tells them he's Batman and then he dresses up as Batman real quick. But that was a really quick. Oh, and at the end of that episode, though, <laughs> you're excited. At the end of the episode, you see a bat signal and Bugs gets, Bugs looks at the, uh, at the bat signal. He looks at us. And then he drives out of his garage in the Batmobile. We don't see him as Batman yet until the episode after that, Super Rabbit. And that one has a whole cool uh, Batman, well, Bug, I'm sorry, Superman and Bugs. It was a parody of like the Man of Steel, parody of the comic books. Um, Marvin was Brainiac, which was awesome, you know? Yeah. So, like, the beginning of the episode, Marvin the Martian's Brainiac, and then he calls him Lame Brain, and he goes, "Oh, I hate you." Um, so then Zod is as uh, Daffy, and they had like a, a the, I forgot the name of the girl in uh, Man of Steel, so it was kind of like a Man of Steel slash Batman. I mean, Superman, uh, Return of Superman Part Two, whatever. Back in the day, was it Mercy um, Graves? I think so. I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure. Like, I'm a huge Batman fan. Superman, I'm, lo- I'm loin in. I'm loin in. Um, pretty much Bugs tricks the bad guys to kind of turn or leave, tr- turning on Daffy. And then, because uh, Bugs gets his, his butt beaten, kind of like how Man of Steel when uh, Henry Cavill's Batman gets thrown around, you know? Right. So it was kind of cool. Then Bugs has to use his brains instead of his brawn. So then he starts kind of talking it up to the two other villains. And then they realize Daffy's a joke. Zod's a jerk. So then Daffy beats him to, to a pulp. And then at the end, um, he ends up sending him back to the Phantom Zone. And then the cool part, you want to say it or you, or you want me to? Uh, I'll say it. Um, so at the end of the episode, Daffy and his girlfriend go out and they go see a movie. And then they're leaving the movie. And they make a really funny, or Daffy makes a really funny observation of, oh, let's shave off a couple of minutes from our walk and take, take this really uh, rid- crime-ridden alley. And there's a mugger there, and the mugger rips the pearls off of his girlfriend, and Bugs, as Batman, steps out of the shadows, and basically, uh, it's it's done in a very similar way to the animated series with the eyes and like the furrowing of the brow, and all of it is really respectful. And Bugs beats up the mugger, and returns the pearls. And Daffy goes, well, I hope you're not expecting a tip. (laughs) And it's just this really fun play on, well, this is the thing that Daffy really wanted and somebody's out out there doing it. And he, it's, it's kind of weird that bugs or that Daffy doesn't realize that it's bugs in any kind of way, but it's, it just adds to the humor of, you know, uh, bugs is actually doing the thing, but I love the setup of this because earlier on in the episode, uh, Daffy is told that Batman is the president of Mexico <laughs> and Bugs is watching some old home movies and it shows that he is the mayor of Mexico <laughs> and is it the mayor or the president? I think the president, I'm not sure. I think the president, okay. I felt like I was saying it wrong. Bugs is like, eh, part-time or Pradirium or something like that, he tells him. Like, Bugs thought it was no big deal. Right. You were the president of Mexico? Eh, interim. You did all that instead of going to high school? Do you know what this means? <laughs> you peak too soon! <laughs> and, uh, Bugs, you know, th- that, that setup works for me because Daffy doesn't realize that the, the president of Mexico is actually Batman, uh, according to the people of Mexico. And I just thought that was really funny. Um, so when Batman shows up as, you know, Bugs donning the cape, it is that more um, surprising, but also wonderful because it's our favorite character wearing our favorite hero's costume. So the younger versions of us that were trying to squeeze that costume <laughs> on that boy. Exactly. We were like, I was like, I finally got it. And I was so excited. And then Bugs turns and says, I'm Bat Rabbit. Oh, well, don't expect a tip. I didn't ask to be saved. Ain't I a stinker? I kind of wish it was a longer episode. I was looking for more, but... I'm not being greedy at this point. Take take what you can, Eli. Get the heck out of here. And that was Jeff Bergman doing Bugs in that episode. 
and doing that gravelly voice. And we have uh, director Ethan Spaulding to thank, as well as Spike Brandt and Tony Cervone, uh, or Tony Cervone, uh, to thank for putting Batman in the bat suit. So uh, thank you guys, if you're listening. Guys, make more, <laughs> please, if you can. So um, I guess, the lastly, we got the comic books, right? The 2017, 2018 versions of... Um... Looney Tunes and Batman. So I was super excited when I found out that there was going to be a Looney Tunes and DC tie-in in the comics that has never been done before, where different mm-hmm. artists are given different characters to play with. And I believe you have something really fun associated with all of this world uh, in a shared universe. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll get to yeah. that. Uh, but my favorite coming out of this was that we had this Batman and Elmer Fudd short or comics short comic yes. where it was a one-off where Bruce Wayne has been played a patsy and Elmer is going after Bruce because uh, of what bugs had done and the anthropomorphic animals that we know as the Looney Tunes minus Elmer are played as human beings and it's really bizarre to see the human counterpart to these beloved characters, but it's also really fun. And I feel like the writers did something that was very respectful in what had come before. And it's just, it's really bizarre, but I think that it's effective. And seeing Batman yeah. interact with them is just all the, all the, all the better. I love I love how it was done by like the Batman like Lee Weeks was the artist who was a great artist and Tom King was the writer. These guys did the Batman comics, uh, especially City of Bane and when Batman and the Catwoman uh, right. proposed and all that. Really great storylines, great art, and it was so cool. This was like their humble beginnings as a team. It was wow. Like I, I love how like even like the whole Saint Cloud character. Am I stepping over your? Uh, sorry, I'm getting excited. I gotta, <laughs> gotta calm down. Uh, no, I, um, I wanted to throw. Um you know, credit to the creators. So yeah, uh, I didn't want to write off your coattails. Tom King is the author. Lee Weeks is the inker. Brian Vaughn is another inker. Carrie Strachan is the colorist. And Laverne Kindersky is the colorist, is another colorist. And just, it's wonderful all around. But yes, the storyline is yes. something to behold on its own. Um, so let me rattle off uh, the story and then we can go into it on more detail. Um, Elmer is basically looking for the killer of his love, uh, St. Cloud, who Bruce Wayne in comics had previously been attached to off and on. And so Elmer is hunting um, these, these little areas of like greasy hangouts. uh, And he knows that, you know, uh, Bugs is the one that he always goes up against. And so he goes to Bugs first, but Bugs puts him uh, on Bruce Wayne's path. So then Elmer is hunting Bruce Wayne. And it's just, a, it, it has layers to it. It has other characters of Looney Tunes that he interacts with, but it's mainly this three, this mystery series, this mystery story of Elmer and can he trust Bugs? And is this Bruce Wayne guy worth going after? Like that whole dichotomy of, of mystery. And yeah, I just, uh, 
I read this, I've read this like five or six times already. And every time I read it, I'm just enthralled by it. It was short and sweet, but it was so noirish, like the old uh, movie. Oh, super gritty and noir. Yeah. Gritty. Um, I didn't think I'd like Elmer so much. Elmer beat, beat, he gave Batman a run for his money. He punched him in the face. He shot at him. I love this scene. I drew the picture where he's just holding the gun like it's nothing. Batman's yeah. behind him and he shoots from behind him. I was like, wow. If Elmer was like that, Bugs Bunny would be screwed. Um, but yeah, it was it was such a, a beautifully done. And then also too, St. Cloud, uh, Silver St. Cloud was the one person other than Catwoman that Batman was in love with. And he actually was, um, he actually uh, proposed to her. And then later on, they ended up killing her off. Mm, <laughs> so right, when right. I read this the first time, I said, oh, maybe it's, you know, like because if she was killed off in the comics, you know, they still don't know. I'm waiting for Kevin Smith to finish. Hello, Kevin. Chop, chop. Um, <laughs> never going to happen. But anyway, um, never say never. Um, but yeah, it was interesting how they, they had that character. Like that was Batman's like other than Selena. That was like mm -hmm. another one of his true loves. I guess you could have more than one love. But it was it was great how they mixed it all together and how the characters were like human. Bugs Bunny had a long face and a, I didn't like the way he looked as human, but hey, he's human. The buck teeth, yeah. He had a buck teeth and he had a little Tweety Bird. It was like a, a little guy and he had a, a, a Sylvester. It was like this big guy with like huge, uh, a, a big mustache. Honestly, Sylvester looked more like Yosemite Sam, but then he had Yosemite Sam. It was so cool. Like I would want more of this. Tom, if you're listening, more please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would concur. Uh, we de we definitely need more of these uh, gritty noir uh, stories uh, within this world. Um, the uh, the way that they have, and it, even the twist. I, I don't want to give the twist away at yeah. the very end, but it's definitely worth tracking down and reading. And the way that they have characterized these uh, larger than life characters in a gritty world is like you would think on paper that that couldn't work yeah. it does work it does work in, in what they do here and credit goes to tom kenny and everybody that, know uh, that comic is hard to find and expensive oh i did not know it's for different reasons i think for that reason they kind of deep downplayed it but also too that was tom king and this guy's first um like team up after they did batman so yeah that comic i was looking through my books and i said oh, i'm glad i have it I'm never gonna sell it though so <laughs> oh me too me too yeah it was awesome. But I, I just on a side note, I, I and you're going to laugh, but I did not appreciate the little cartoon comic at the end of it. Same. <laughs> no, <laughs> same. Because, because the gritty one was so good. Uh, listeners, um, the comic <laughs> is, is uh, done in a way where you have the main story done in a DC style story. And then you have a uh, Looney Tunes-esque style short where it's just a couple of panels uh but the dc characters interact in that way and it, it doesn't work that way but the the main story is what is where the you know where your money goes rabbit season yeah yeah the, the second one was just daffy duck being played by batman yeah going well, back to that like was the end when batman switches it up and pretty much has elmer shoot at his family he said Robin season and then all the Robins come to help. And next thing you know, Elmer's shooting at all the Robins while they scatter. My brothers love Robin. Sorry guys. I don't want Elmer to shoot you. But I honestly, <laughs> that was the only part that made me chuckle. Everything else, my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. I could see what's on my mind, which ain't much, but you know. <laughs>
Yeah, um, but that that first story is definitely worth checking out for sure. Do you want to go ahead and uh, do the Daffy and Joker one? Sure. Uh, this one was an interesting one. Um, so Joker, in the beginning, it's like very reminiscent of the new Joker movie. Joker is at a comedy club, really doing horrible jokes. And obviously to a captive audience, boom, boom, shh. Um, pretty much they're dead. And uh, so everybody starts really dark. And then Joker ends up um, leaving, right, the place. And then you have Daffy calling up the, uh, I guess he was looking for, do you remember the product? It was some Acme product. And Daffy is trying to get the, um, the, the what do you call it, the, the, the um, automated um, voice thing to work. And it can't pick up his speech. So he gets pissed off. So then Daffy leaves to, guess what, Gotham to go trade in this or get his money back, whatever. So then he's in Gotham City, and that Acme warehouse is destroyed. It's done. It's gone. It's demolished, right? It's just a you know, shell of a place. So he goes in and sneaks inside. He goes under the boards, and he witnesses Joker killing a lackey of his with a mallet. So the amazing part is, so Joker is pissed off at the guy. He hits him with the mallet. There's blood all over the place. Blood spills on Daffy's beak. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty dark. It's very dark. Yeah, I was like, wow. Like Daffy, I was like, wow, I was shocked. So Daffy tries to run away. Joker gets the bad guys to get him. Long story short, Joker kind of, I mean, Daffy kind of smooths his way to kind of talk Joker into making him kind of like the head henchman. He goes, yeah, I was sent by, uh, by Acme Henchman Incorporated, you know? And then Joker believed him. So Joker's a little, not the Joker we know in this, but, you know, maybe Joker was having just a what, lazy day, right? We're all entitled to one. <laughs> Fast forward, Daffy's training the guys. And so it looks like Daffy's kind of on the side of the Joker in the beginning until you've also Daffy's a power trip guy. So I, I understand why he was like, all oh, like, I love this, right? He got Joker, right. he even got Joker a hideout with burning bodies. You saw that? And, and uh, <laughs> there was bodies burning in the front of the hideout. And I don't know whose body, but Daffy knows for sure. And they had like a big jack-in-the-box and a dinosaur. And, and, and literally, I think, honestly, he never even told Harley Quinn this. He told Daffy, you understand me. Harley herself never got Joker to say that. But Daffy <laughs> got that from Joker. So, hey. But anyway, so later on, <laughs> Daffy finds out his plan. Joker wants to end up uh, destroying a bunch of people at a uh, charity event where obviously Bruce Wayne's there. And Daffy's kind of like, well, that's kind of going a little too far. Daffy kind of sabotages his, uh, his plans. Instead of the laughing gas that'll kill women, children, and everyone else there, it just makes him sneeze. So then Joker's pissed off, and Daffy's like, oh, I made a mistake with the concoction, you know? And then Daff so Joker gets pissed. He drives away in the van. So then the van, the tires pop out. And then you see Daffy's little, uh, I guess, uh, not a hand, but his little feathered palm has all the bolts from the uh, tires. Batman kicks Joker in the face. Joker goes down. Done with that. So then Daffy's hiding in the little, because it was like a, what do you call it? A carnival type place. And they had all the little dollies. So Joker, I mean Joker, Daffy is hiding with the dollies, E-A-E-T, right? And right. Then there's Commissioner and Batman talking. And then Batman's like, Commissioner's like, well, there was a duck involved. And Bruce is like, well, Batman's like a duck. Like, he goes, okay, well, we have crocodiles and all these different creatures, so it's not too impossible. But he goes, ducks aren't really, really uh, difficult creatures. They're very 
they're very uh, stupid and, and and they follow and they, you know, I don't see a duck being a problem. And then of course, Daffy with his ego comes out, starts saying, who do you think you are saying this about me? And blah, blah, blah. And poor Daffy gets locked up right along Joker. And that was the end of the part one. Part two was a little more or less uh, Daffy is a therapist, was it? Right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Daffy loves his mother, Duck. Dr. Daffy loves his mother, Duck. I love my mother, too, so I can understand. Um, so that's, a good ref- that, that's a good reference as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that harkens back to uh, uh, good to your mother, Duck. Good to your mother. That's yes. it. Yeah. Oh, that was from the boxing one, wasn't it? Yes. Ah, there we go. The connection. See, you're doing a timeline for me. Um, <laughs> so then... So pretty much they're trying to find out the Joker has all these people hostage or whatever. So commissioner calls the greatest therapist in the world because they had a whole truck full of like dead and half dead and smiling therapists that Joker disposed of. So then Daffy comes up. They have Daffy talk to um, to Joker. Daffy pushes out Dr. Harleen Quinzel, not Harley Quinn yet, but she was dressed in the Batman animated series one. And then Daffy's given Joker Rorschach tests and word association. And so Joker finally shows... Um, tells Daffy he's a roasted duck because uh, Joker's like, well, we own the asylum. Why do you think I'm here? This is my house. I mean, look, look at the huge room. All the bad guys come out and they all circle Daffy via duck twasty. (laughs) I like to think I should draw that. But anyway, so then next thing you know, in a very cartoonish way to finish an episode, Daffy goes, "Um, you do know we're on a Warner Brothers lot. And then next thing you know, a big bus of tourists runs over all the bad Batman bad guys and Daffy gets away. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, delightfully loony at the end. I I feel like this is one of those gritty noir stories that takes it a bit too far at yeah. times. It's very hard to look at. The <laughs> design work on the characters is slightly askew of what you would uh, think that they would look like when transitioning into real life. Like they, they took it a bit too photorealistic for me on the duck, but <laughs> on Daffy himself. But um, I, I felt the characterization was strong. I felt the, the characterization was yeah. there. Um, and some of the dialogue was, was strong. The, the duck soup line was fun, um, especially because that's a, also a reference to the Marx Brothers and mm-hmm. what created Bugs and, and, uh, <laughs> and the early Looney Tunes. But um, yeah, overall, I, I thought this one was a decent one. Not as good as the Elmer and I, Batman one. But I but, do like Daffy's last story better than Batman's last story. Just saying. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> Batman being made of a fool, I, I just can't play that. I'm sorry. That's I'm, fair. That. <laughs> the creative team on the Joker and Daffy one, by the way, is art by Norm Ripond mm. and Brett Booth. Backup art by Luciano Vecchio. Uh, backup written by Joey Cavieri. Uh, cover by Norm Rappond and Brett Booth. And written by Scott Lobdell. So okay. those are the guys we have to thank for uh, Joker meeting Davy And uh, Joker getting that honorary, you're just as crazy as I am, uh, compliment. Um, if you can take that as a compliment. I don't know if I would take that as a compliment. <laughs> from the joker probably not but um yeah all in all i, I think that the whole run was interesting i have them all i like the low bone roadrunner too they had so many different mashups the art was interesting i mean i guess the take on the art 
I, I thought it was weird looking, but I, I kind of like that they did a little different. I mean, they always did Hanna-Barbera ones too recently, I think. Didn't they? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. They had Yogi. I Because I, I only bought, like, honest, I, I, I try to collect everything, but Rome is, is, is not an option sometimes. They had Deathstroke and Yogi Bear. I wow. had that one because Yogi's one of my was one of my favorite uh, characters. They didn't have a Scooby, but then they have Scooby team ups comic books out. That's a whole other podcast for another day, I'm sure. I'll probably go in there. <laughs> about that. Yeah, cool. Right again. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that rundown. Uh, yeah, we'll have to be on the lookout for those, and if there are any new ones in the future, which I hope that they continue to do this because it it allows for the artists to change up a bit. And obviously, we saw the the starting point of a creative team that went on to do one of the best Batman runs ever yeah. uh, with, yeah. it, you know, with this series. So I hope that they keep doing this and it's a really fun, creative way to play around with the IP and having, having Looney Tunes interact with any world is always fascinating to me. Yes. And I, I can't, I can't even imagine the number of other worlds that I would want to see Looney Tunes in, like having Looney Tunes meet Hanna Barbera, like that would be something yeah. that would that would be interesting. Because um, Warner Brothers owns both of them, right? Is that tuned out or the tuned in show coming out? Did they have Hanna Barbera and Looney Tunes supposed to be in those? And then, so that's but, that's the Robert Zemeckis HBO Max show tuned out. That's a live action animation hybrid show. And from what I know about it, there's only Looney Tunes characters involved. Ah, shucks. Oh, well. <laughs> but you never know. I mean, if the series continues, they could change it up. They could have different universes come to come to light. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure how that show is going to be structured. Never know. So speaking of bats and bugs, we have a new character in the world of mayhem. And this may come as a surprise, as we had already discussed this short recently with Chase Pritchard and S. Preston, whenever he was on the show discussing his wonderful art at sprestondesigns.com, this is the character from Baseball Bugs. We have base, we have Bugs Bunny holding a baseball bat and using his pitching his batting, and whatever will help him survive in the world of mayhem in this alternative outfit. And I love that they brought this character into the game. Uh, Let me read off some of the qualities about him. He's an epic character. He's an attacker. He uh, He is positioned in the town as an athlete, and he has a friendship with other Bugs Bunny characters, and uh, as well as a friendship with athletes, which is really cool. And his skill set includes the curveball, grand slam, bases loaded, pep talk, fan section, and just all around strength. So this is a really fun character that they just added, and I'm super excited to unlock him, and I hope you can too. That will do it for this episode. Thank you, Eli, for being on the show. Can you let our listeners know where to find you on social media? Oh, wow. Oh, deep breath. Um, on Instagram, you can find me on at Art of Eli, one void, um, 1980, Art of Eli, 1980. On Facebook, Art of Eli, one void. Um, also, Eli Ramos is my personal page. Feel free to add. I love people. Um, Twitter, at Art of Eli, one void. I'm also, um, I do art, uh, art classes in urban arts at Marone, Hoboken. Uh, look me up. I also do private art classes as well. Um, I'm doing a virtual con. That's how me and my uh, brand new best friend, uh, Jonathan, um, 
I put did some work. It's called a e, uh, the eBeyond virtual uh, virtual convention. It's on inbeyond.com. I'm doing four panels: one on Bugs Bunny, uh, one on Batman the animated series, uh, one on psychology of supers, and another one on the mythology of superheroes. Look for me on there. We go uh, the Comic Cons on the 29th, I believe, of August 29th, 30th, two two day event. Um, also, I have a couple podcasts coming up soon. A couple recorded. I'm part of the Pocono Comic Expo cast. A friend of mine, Gino, he does Comic Cons out in the Poconos, so we decided I'm partnered with him. So we're doing um, podcasts together, and uh, I'm also part of a Speak on It, uh, Speak on It comic podcast. A couple friends of mine, Irma, Charles, and Jermaine, we do, we talk about pop culture from cartoons, comic books, video games, the wakes. And lastly, I'm doing one with my brother about figures, action figures and toys, look for that coming soon. And one more secret one. So if you want to know, stay tuned, Dak. Stay tuned. Thanks for the plug. I try to talk as fast as I can. No, thank you. And uh, if you are able to check out the panel, I highly recommend it. And also, your artwork is fantastic. I really enjoyed the Bugs Bunny print you did where you have the different faces of Bugs making up Bugs' face. I thought that was really clever. I might do more with Looney Tunes. So I'll tell you what, if you want to help me out here, see what the next person, um, if, if you want to do like a poll or something, see what yeah. character they'd like to see because that one was a real big hit. I'm thinking of doing prints. So I'm thinking of doing other characters. I just don't know which Looney Tune to do next. So maybe- You gotta do Daffy now. Unless you want to tell me, hey, I'll yeah, I'll dedicate it to each other. That's fine. <laughs> I need inspiration. I need inspiration. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Eli. And everybody out there, please follow Eli over at Eli, The Art of Eli. He's a really great artist, and uh, he is very knowledgeable, as you can tell. Thank so you. you can follow the podcast on This Means Pod on Twitter and This Means Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We have a Patreon that I'm trying to revamp soon. So look for that at patreon.com backslash this means podcast. And just try to follow us on all social media. Please like, share, and rate this podcast on Apple iTunes. That way more people get to see it and hear it. And if you like this show, please let us know in your review and in comments down below. Uh, thank you, Eli, for being on the show. And as our listeners know, that's all, folks. And that's the end. <laughs> Next, I shortened my tape and invested in some cool sound effects. But that too had drawbacks.